This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 59. Actually, guys, this is an episode from last year that we are rebroadcasting because it turns out daylight savings time happens every year. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, It's a real doozy for sleep, or at least it can be. But really, for us in the Northeast, it means sunshine later in the day, so I'm not going to lie, I'll take it. But I'm happy to guide you along the way on how to navigate this and what it means and all that jazz. We're going to dive into it here in this episode, and I also created a guide for you with like dates and times and all that jazz that you can snag for free over at seedandsow.org slash DST, like Daylight Savings Time. Uh, so go snag that guide after you tune into this. You can also share it with childcare. You can share it with any friends who might benefit from it, both this episode and the guide, whatever's helpful for you. It's free and downloadable right from the website, seedandso.org slash DST. There are two options for you. There's a way to kind of plan ahead for it. And then there's an option for you if you're just like, I'm going to wing it and see what happens and how my kid responds and go from there. So you can check out both. They're called plan A and plan B. I often fall into the plan type A and really want to like have a plan going into stuff. So I wanted that for you. But also if you're like, no, I don't have time to like adjust sleep beforehand, then there's a guide for what to do afterward if your kid's waking at a random time at this point. All right, without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, I'm excited to be here today to talk about how light affects sleep. With daylight savings around the corner, uh, this is going to play a huge role in your sleep, in your tiny human sleep, 
And so let's let's dive into it. Let's see what's kind of going on with the brain and um, how light affects sleep, even when it isn't daylight savings, just in general. And then how we can play with that to get desired sleep patterns. My husband was uh, in Kenya a few years ago and he was saying like, oh, so nice. Like you just go to bed when the sun goes down and your body just naturally wakes up with the sun in the morning. And um, I was saying like, yeah, that, that does sound nice. And that's really what's happening with your brain, right? Like the light is going into your eye and sending a message to your brain not to produce melatonin. And then with the absence of light, your brain starts to produce melatonin, which regulates your circadian rhythm so that you can sleep through the night and then wake up and be awake through the day. And as a tiny human, also maybe throw in a nap or two. So as he was talking about this, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds great. But like today the sun is going to set at 5.30 p.m. And uh, it rose this morning at 6.25 a.m. So realistically going to bed with the sun going down and rising with the sunrise, that doesn't work for us. And most kids won't sleep 13 hours overnight from 5.30 to 6.30. So we then get to see how do we, how do we play with it? Do we introduce more light at the end of the day? Do we want to introduce light earlier in the morning? Do we want to protect darkness so light doesn't come in in the morning? Uh, there are a bunch of different ways we kind of like play with the circadian rhythm and really a lot of them coming back to light exposure. So when we look at daylight savings coming up, we're going to all of a sudden that 6 a.m. is going to be 7 a.m. So the clock's going to say 7, um, but the tiny human's body feels like 6. Uh, and so what does that mean? What does that mean for naps? If the clock says 7 then maybe if they have a nap usually at noon, if you try to nap them at noon, it's going to be an hour earlier than they normally nap. And then down the road at bedtime, if they usually go to bed at 7, what feels like 7 to them will really be 8 on the clock. So just like some things here that we need to play with or keep in mind. Lucky for you, I created a free daylight savings time guide it's available for download you can head to the blog post uh, and, and snag that freebie i will share that link on the website and also in my bio on instagram for you to snag and you guys can kind of see which path you'd like to take there's there are two options there's a do nothing and see what happens with your tiny human and then adjust or prepare ahead of time um depending on you know, what feels most comfortable for your family unit. So let's chat about what light looks like here. When we have these nights in the wintertime where the sun's going down, I mean, I think at one point it was going down at like four o'clock. It was insane. Um, a huge, huge part of sleep then is making sure that we're still exposing kids to light between that like four and seven period or four and bedtime, whenever that is. And if not, then their brains can start producing melatonin, um, kind of kickstarting that circadian rhythm and we can see kiddos get off. Even for myself, I mean, uh, my friends make fun of me a lot because I'm usually in bed uh, pretty early. I like to be in bed by nine o'clock. I know it's so wild. Um, drives my husband crazy. 
Uh, Zach would rather be in bed closer to like 10, 1030, um, at which point I'm already asleep. But especially in like the winter time, I could go into bed at like 8 p.m. Like I haven't seen sun in four hours and I'm ready to just go to bed. But when we were down in Florida, uh, it was pretty amazing because the sunset's like an hour later. And so I, I wasn't finding myself as tired as early, even though we were like active with kids all day. I was running and playing and doing all the things. I still could like hang later. And I started to realize like, oh man, we probably haven't been exposing ourselves to light enough uh, after the sun goes down back home. So I came home and was just like super mindful of that. And the last few days have just been very well lit house at night. Uh, Zach loves like low lighting. Like, nope, all the lights are going on uh, until it's closer to when I'm going to go to bed. And it's the same for these tiny humans that if we want them to be staying up when it's dark out at night, then we have to provide them with light for that. The cool part about daylight savings is that we will have light later in the day. So you know, or the sun won't be setting at 5.30 anymore. That'll move later. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. The flip side is that the morning won't be as light. So what that might mean is exposing your tiny humans to light in the morning. It might mean opening the shades or turning on the light in their room. You might find yourself like waking kids up to keep them on their schedule. What I've often heard from parents is like, oh, awesome, they've been waking up at five and I've wanted them to sleep till six. So I'll just not do anything for daylight savings and it'll push their whole schedule later. 
Like, yeah, totally cool. Um, you can give that a whirl. You're going to have to adjust, like, their nap time will have to go later and their bedtime will have to go later. But yeah, totally. Give it a whirl. See what happens. What you might find is that your kids, your kid ends up, like, adjusting and still going back to waking up at the new 5 o'clock. Um, if that's the case, there's likely something else going on. It could be sleep pressure related. It could be behavioral, um, more times than not, it, it comes back to sleep pressure, but we, you, you might find that like this in the short term, they sleep in a little later through this daylight savings adjustment, but most kids will adjust to daylight savings in about a week, um, max two weeks. And then you'll see like standard patterns kind of come back into play. I worked with a number of families who were like, I want my kid to be a 12 hour sleeper. And sometimes I just have to be like, I'm so sorry. Your kid consistently sleeps 10 and a half hours overnight and that's enough sleep for them. And that's not gonna change unless maybe they're sick or something. So also knowing like who your kid is isn't just gonna like change with daylight savings. So that's something to be mindful of too going through this. If you decide to do like this, this step one, the like prepare ahead of time for daylight savings, what that's going to mean is like a time adjustment in bedtime and nap times and wake times over the course of a few days leading up to daylight savings. And when you're adjusting for those times, adjusting light is really important. So if you are going to put your kid to bed, um, a little bit later, a little bit earlier, you're going to wake up a little bit later, a little bit earlier, making sure you adjust how much they're exposed to light near that time is really, really important. One of my all-time favorite products are blackout shades. Those are the dream. I wish I could put them in every childcare center, in every bedroom across the world. They're amazing because then we get to be in control of the light. So right now, whenever the sun rises or sets, it's coming into those, into those windows or into your blinds. And with blackout shades, we get to control that. So I'll often wake kids up from nap by just opening the shades and exposing them to light. And then I'll turn off the sound machines. But that light exposure is huge. I mean, it tells your brain like, okay, it's time to be awake. And then when that light is absent, it says, okay, it's still time to be asleep. Um, I know a lot of families use like the okay to wake clock, which is also great. I mean, it, I think for especially older kids, it lets them know like, okay, I can get out of my bed when that clock is green or whatever. And until it's green, I cannot get out of my bed. It means it's still sleep time. When it comes to nap time, I also adhere to the no light rule. Um, what I want to do is to send these tiny humans a message that when it's dark, it's sleep time. So whether that's nap time or nighttime, when it's dark, it's sleep time. We are not only sending these tiny humans that in terms of a behavioral response, but also um, letting their brain know, like, yep, it's dark out. When there is light exposure, your penile gland sends a message to your brain that it's it's time to be awake and go play and all that jazz. What we'll often see is that kids who are napping in lit spaces have a hard time syncing their REM cycles. So they might go down and take like a cat nap, maybe a 30-minute nap. And 
this could certainly be related to other things too. Sleep pressure plays a role. Food plays a role. Um, development plays a role. But I've worked with families and childcare centers on reducing the light when kids are napping so that they can sleep longer than that 30-minute REM cycle so they can wake up and put themselves back to sleep knowing it's still sleep time. The kicker here is that your circadian rhythm develops over your first few months of life. So most kiddos don't start producing melatonin until about four months of age, but light can still affect your sleep. So it can still be beneficial to have kiddos under four months napping and sleeping overnight in in darker spaces. That's not to say that every nap has to be more than 30 minutes and not every nap will be. And if you have a newborn and you look at napping them in dark every time they nap, you would never leave the house. So it's like a realistic piece here of not every nap is going to be a long stretch and that's okay. And they can nap on the go or, you know, you can leave the house. So largely, as we prepare for daylight savings, what we're looking to do is to be mindful of their current schedule and then the fact that that will change and what that will look like in terms of light exposure. So the sun is going to be setting at a different time now, sun's going to be rising at a different time now, and how will that affect their sun exposure and what's our role there? Should we be introducing light until a certain time, maybe exposing them to light in the morning? You can head over to the website at seedandso.org slash DST, and you can download your free daylight savings guide today. If you would like to plan ahead, then you'll have to start a few days before daylight savings. So you can head on over and snag that today so you can get prepared for what that'll look like. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. I will see you over on the gram. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.